with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. A rather dreary Tuesday morning. Alan Wishart in the host chair, Steve on the board. But as I was mentioning to a couple of people here before the show, we're going to get it off to a good start today. Because my first guest is Jim Good from Good Sir Nature Park. Good morning, Jim. Hello, Alan. Yeah, we, it's been we uh, we talked what about two or three months ago, I think. Sandra. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been here more than a month over yes. the years. Yes. Yeah, you know where we're located now. That's yes. The nice thing. Yes. Yes. And now you came in today because you've got something happening at the park, mm-hmm. but it's not an event that you can say, "Well, this is going to be happening at noon on Saturday." This is an event where you don't even know for sure when it's going to start, really, do you? I have a rough idea, yeah. and I'm watching it closely, and it's <laughs> coming into view now. Yeah. And what is it, just so people know? It's uh, the Ring of Fire mm-hmm. at Good Sir Nature Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, a, a certain plant. It's the Pink Spirea, which is a shrub. Um, it belongs to the Rose family. And where the water uh, meets the shoreline is semi-aquatic. Um, the plant turns every shade of red in the ah. fall. And just up from the aquatic portion of the lake, the leaves are either green or yellow, but it's very yeah. distinctly red. Yeah, I mean, Jim brought some photos in, and we're looking at them. Unfortunately, we can't show them to you over the air. It doesn't work that way. We don't have the technology yet. And, yeah, there's a real, it very much a contrast mm-hmm. between, as you said, the spirea right at the edge of the lake yeah. and the lake itself mm-hmm. very blue yes yeah yeah and then the others as you say are, are still yellow and green so mm-hmm. now is it is that plant just around the lake i uh, know it's scattered throughout the park okay. uh, we're at the northern limit of the pink spurry in this part of the okay. country um and uh, it's a common shrub it's found uh, on both dry ground and in this case semi-aquatic yeah. it's well adapted Mm-hmm. Now, is it only when it's semi-aquatic that it turns this red? Yeah, or, it turns okay. red, red and orange, every shade of red. Yeah, yeah. but only, but it wouldn't do that because you were saying it's also on dry land. Yeah. If it's on dry land, does it, it change turns that? yellow? It turns yellow. yellow. Mm-hmm. So it only turns red when it's got the water. When it's got the water content. Oh, wow. Yeah. So people can walk through the park, mm-hmm. and they're going to see pink spirea. Yeah. But over there, it's going to be yellow. And over here, it's going to be red. Yeah. On the north side of the lake is the biggest uh, color contrast um, because it gets more direct sunlight. Okay. It's got a uh, south-facing uh, appearance to, mm. to the sun. Now, did when you were doing the park 30, 35 years ago now, if I remember yes. correctly. Yes. That's mm-hmm. what we were talking about the last time you were in. It was your 35th anniversary. Next year will be. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you... Deliberately plant the pink spirea there, knowing? No, this is a natural occurrence. Oh, wow. It grows in thickets. Okay. Um, and it's very dense. Uh, sometimes uh, um, ducks uh, come and nest in mm-hmm. it, where it's a shallow part of the lake. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's a natural occurrence. So, what happened the first time that you were out walking through the park? around middle of September, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you look over and, holy cow, what is that? Well, <laughs> well I knew what it was from yeah. the start, but 
over the years, it, it hasn't always been brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, in the earlier years, it was on average, every five to seven years, it would be most brilliant, but it was there. You, uh, a trained eye could pick it up yeah. right away, on looking at it from the other side of the lake. Yeah. But I think, um, it's my theory, that climate change might be bringing out more colors uh-huh. now okay. than it did in the past. So that's one good thing we can talk about yes. for climate change, mm-hmm. alongside all the bad stuff. Yeah. So are there... Obviously, there's a lot of other plants at Good Sur that are changing colors right about this time of year. Yes. So if somebody was out there, say, even a month ago, mm-hmm. if they went out there now, it would be a totally different scene? Oh, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. A month ago, uh, there was uh, next to no tra- well, trace elements of fall, mm-hmm. but very, very, very slim. More yeah. than, basically, basically only to a trained eye. Yeah. But now it's looming into... Uh, Prime and I believe the peak of prime overall for autumn out at Goodsir will be uh, the end of this week into the following week wow. through next weekend. Yeah. And that. Now, how long does the ring of fire usually last? Like, obviously, it's not the same from year to year, but average about how long? It's um, around five or six days at wow. prime, and then like like the oh, leaves yeah. and that, it starts yeah. to fade, and they yeah. and it becomes more winterized on on mm-hmm. into October. Yeah. So now, and the other thing is, people in town who might have pink spirea may not be seeing the same thing just yet, because you're, what, about 40 kilometers it's north? A, 20 miles or 32 clicks, a half yeah. hour north of yeah. Salmon Valley. Yeah. So you're a little bit further north, Yeah. and it is, to a large extent, a totally different microclimate than we get in the bowl. Yes, uh, we get more snow in the winter, mm-hmm. and... <laughs> Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was talking with someone a few years ago, and they were saying, I don't know where they got this number, but they sounded as if they knew what they were talking about. They were saying they had identified something like 23 different microclimates in Prince George. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just going from one spot in Prince George to another. Yeah. There's all these different microclimates, and I've seen. I you can you can probably attest to that. Even just making mm-hmm. the trip down, yeah, from Good Sir to Prince George on mm-hmm. a semi-regular basis, you can probably see about every what two or three kilometers. You probably see differences. Um, I go by the the hardness zones. This is the winter hardness. Mm-hmm. We're right on the edge between Zone Two and Zone Three. Zone 2 is north of Prince George. Zone 3 is south of Prince George into the northern Caribou. Okay. And so now, does that Zone 2 then extend up through Goodsir as well? Yeah. For the most part? Yeah, yeah. for the most part, yeah. yeah. Now, do, do different parts of the park have their own little climates as well? On um, Yeah. The, um, for the most part, Goodsir has a very gentle north-facing slope. Mm-hmm. But up at Sunset Ridge, that's the Sunset Ridge Botanical Garden, uh, it faces south. And I have been able to grow uh, wild cactus there. They're, they're not there now. No. Um, but I have, I've had, I have had past success and uh, more than one different kind native to Canada. Mm-hmm. And even I've had them flower over the years as well. Both wow. yellow flowers and uh, pink flowers. So any visitors from Kamloops who are feeling a little bit homesick can go up there and see some cactus. That, that's the <laughs> brittle prickly pear cactus. Okay. There's four different kinds of wild cactus in Canada. Wow. And the other two are two in BC and the other two are on the Prairie Badlands, southern Alberta uh, and Saskatchewan. Yeah. So, again, totally different climates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Like they're dry, as you were saying. Mm-hmm. So a day like today, where the forecast is basically, it's not cold. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's already like about 13 or 14 degrees. It's supposed to get up to about 19 or 20. And there's supposed to be a chance of rain almost all day. I'm guessing that's the type of weather that you like to see up at Good Sir. Yes, especially. I've had I've, I've lost a few trees because mm. of the drought. Mm. And, um, but I'm... Uh, trees I've uh, that I planted that have been up, that have been some of my sponsors have donated. Right. I have to go around uh, with a tractor trailer, buckets of water, <laughs> and water them. I don't want to lose them. I've no. lost a couple already, yeah. but most of them are um, I'm keep, are keeping them intact. And I find the orange hawkweed and the dandelion they seem to spring up at the root oh. base. Because they love the water, too. Well, yeah. Dandelions will spring up anywhere, as most people in Prince George yes, will tell you. Yes, and same with the orange hawkweed. And it's even okay. more aggressive than the common dandelion. Wow. Now, it's called orange hawkweed. Is it um, is it a literal weed? Like, a lot of people say dandelion. Well, that's a weed. And then other people say, well, no, because you can make this and this yeah. and this out of it. Is northern hawkweed basically a weed? It's or? pretty much so. They're both Eurasian. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure when the orange hawkweed came to North America... Um, but the common dandelion has been in North America for over 400 years, wow. and it's found everywhere on the continent now except alpine regions and the northeastern Arctic. Yes, I can believe that. <laughs> it, seem, it seems to be found a lot. It seemed to be found a lot some years ago on my parents' lawn. Yes. I can testify to that. Yep. We would go out there. But now that's something then, because that is a natural species then, mm-hmm. you don't pull it or anything, right? You just let it go. Yeah, well, they're both Eurasian. They're yeah. both, they were both introduced. Yeah. And they both come up from the south. One's come up more from the southeast mm-hmm. over hundreds or over many, many years. Yeah. But you don't go through the park and, like, if you see dandelions at the foot of one of your trees, you don't go in and pull the dandelions. You just let them grow because I let them grow. Yeah. Sometimes I'll pluck one, depending on the yes. mood I'm in. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. If you're in a bad mood, those dandelions are going to die. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, Goodshire Nature Park, 20 miles north, 32 kilometers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, where? what is the elevation difference? Is there any between us and... Uh, yeah, there is. A Prince George is around 2,000 feet, maybe... Mm-hmm. 2,100 feet, the, where the rivers meet is the lowest elevation. Yes. Um, and Good Sir is around 20, uh, roughly around 25, 2,600 wow. feet. So that makes the difference of yeah. having six more weeks of snow. Yes. In the, in the winter, it comes two weeks earlier in the fall, and it leaves a month later in the spring. And that's in part because of that gentle north-facing slope. Yeah. So, though, as well, did, have you noticed... Again, when you're in the city, do you sometimes see plants in the city that you don't have out at Good Sir, maybe because you're that extra 500 feet up? Uh, yes, and of course, I, I don't have a, a, an extent of knowledge of, of domestic or non-native mm. plants, but um, I uh, look at, uh, in town, I look at what people are growing in their front yards, mm-hmm. uh, trees planted on city streets, and I, I note that and I compare it with what I have there. And there is a difference. There's a, mm-hmm. a, a, the same species, it's a time difference. Yeah. Oh, maybe a week or two uh, in the spring or a week or two in the fall. Now, a group I spoke to a couple of weeks ago that it just occurred to me is somebody who you may correspond with, the Invasive Plant Council. 
do you keep an eye open in your park for invasive plants that have snuck yes. in? Yes. I homesteaded there 35 years ago. I've got a very, very keen eye for uh, any kind of change in plant life. Mm-hmm. And I've seen um, different um, species of non-native plants. Most have come in from the south. One's come in from the east. And one is, I saw it once, St. John's Ward, it's come in from the west. Okay. Well, I saw one plant, but I haven't seen it for three years. That was about three years yeah. ago. So now, would would those plants be considered invasive at this point? Or yes. are they, okay, are there any plants that you're seeing that you can almost attribute to climate change? Like plants that maybe are from the south, but are obviously moving north. Because to me, that it's kind of difficult to say they're invasive plants because they're non-invasive mm-hmm. in the south, and they're just moving up with the climate. Yeah, they're moving up. I call them plants on the move. Yes. Um, and um, Dalmatian toad flax is one, uh, orange hawkweed is another. Yes. Um, and as far as the native plants go, some of them have totally disappeared, just a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, 30, 35 years ago, I still had uh, the rare pink lady slipper, oh. uh, the pine drops. That, mm-hmm. uh, the, the coming of the pine beetle wiped those out. It, it devastated the Salmon Valley. It was 20 years ago this summer. Yeah. And I lost all my um, near 100-year-old trees. Oof. And they would be over 100 years old today if they were still alive. Yeah. But um, there's a young crop of lodgepole pine, very healthy, and they're slowly coming up. But uh, they won't be the size of the original trees in our lifetime. No. So now, Jim, so if if people want to see this ring of fire, Mm -hmm. they better make plans to get up there in the next few days, probably. Next, uh, through this week into next weekend, next Mm -hmm. weekend, I'll be there doing tours, right, and um, possibly into the following week. Um, okay. And Goodser is by donation; yes. it's nonprofit, and I'm there to do. Uh, I do museum tours, both museums, and um, where my health permits, I will do tours on the trail as well. That's depending yeah. on my health yeah. condition. I'm not in good health. No, and so now you're there. Basically every day. Right? Every day. Yeah. Every so. day of the week. Yeah. But you do prefer if people are coming up. Do you prefer that they maybe let you know, call you ahead of time to let you know they are coming, so uh, you'll know that you've got visitors and may have to. Not necessarily. Nope. They can just uh, they they can just come up if they want to stay overnight. Um, I prefer to to let yeah. me know ahead of time. I do have uh, a few campsites and um, and it's overnight by donation also. Yep. It includes okay. firewood and, and well, you can't have a fire right now, but nope. normally it would include yeah. fire uh, <laughs> firewood and and an electric plug-in. Yeah. Now, again, so it's 20 miles, 32 kilometers north. Yeah. So I'm heading north. Mm-hmm. There's signs, right? Okay, yeah. Yes. Highway sign in either direction. Perfect. So it's not one of those things. Like, again, there's still some of these um, culture sites and stuff like that where there might be just a little sign by the side of the road. No, it's a big tourism sign. Tourism. I think it's yeah. about 10 feet. I'm one of those wow. big blue and white okay. tourism signs. Good. Either direction, it's easy to find. Cross over the Salmon River Bridge. Okay. It's Old Summit Lake Road North, not the South Old no. Summit Lake Road. That's <laughs> in the northern part of the city limits. Yeah. But to cross over the Salmon River Bridge, start up the hill. It's the first left. You'll see my sign. Go three miles or five clicks down that road, and you'll see my sign on the left side of 
Old Salt Lake Road North. Sounds good. And um, I'm also looking for volunteers. Anybody right. wants to come out and help out a okay. bit. Um, and I'm very short volunteers. I've got a few people coming out, but I've got a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Much of it I can't do, and some things I'm I'm doing which I shouldn't be doing. Okay. Yeah. Jim Good, Good Sir Nature Park. Thanks very much for coming in. You're welcome. And hopefully people will come out and watch that Ring of Fire. Okay. Okay. Take a quick break and be back with more after nine. If you're looking for those long forgotten rock songs, then tune in to Beneath the Grooves with Jenny and BC Kid every Saturday night at eight for deep cut rock tracks from the sixties to the eighties. Hear from well-known artists like the Moody Blues and the Alan Parsons Project, as well as obscure acts like Sugarloaf and Madrigal. It's the band you love, but the songs you've forgotten on Beneath the Grooves. Saturday nights at 8 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Be on hand for another unforgettable, uplifting experience as the World Religions Conference invites you to celebrate their 18th anniversary. The topic of this year's free event is the question of timeless suffering. Admission is free with an East Indian dinner included in the Trinity United Church Conference Room at 5th and Union. For registration or more information, visit worldreligionsconference.ca or call 1-877-767-1965. The 18th Annual World Religions Conference, 630. 30 to 8.30, Monday, September 18th. UNBC's Northern Sports Center is presenting their Seniors' Day Open House. If you're 50 or older, join the Northern Sports Center for fun and free fitness activities Sunday, October 1st. Bring your indoor shoes and take the facility tour for a chance to win a Northern Sports Center membership and more. Check the National Seniors' Day Open House page under events at unbc.ca for a detailed schedule of activities. The Seniors' Day Open House, 10 to 3, Sunday, October 1st, at your Northern Sports Centre. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today with a 40% chance of showers and local smoke, a high of 18. Tonight, mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of showers this evening, then clearing, local smoke and low of 7. Sunny on Wednesday with local smoke and a high of 19. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Corporal Jennifer Cooper with the Prince George RCMP. Good morning. Good morning. And now, of course, RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Not that very many of them are mounted these days. Nope. (laughs) But people think police, and they think, okay, that's all they do. There's more to it than that, though. There is. My job, for example, is definitely one of the avenues that you can go into in a policing career. Okay, and now if people are interested in their policing career, whether as a police officer or in something else, and they might not even know that it's available, you guys have got something coming up. That's right. So on the 16th, up at the Charles Jago uh, Center up at UNBC, mm-hmm. we have our proactive recruiting team coming up. And uh, they are going to be hosting a kind of an open house event. Um, and we'll have quite a few of our different specializations up there showcasing exactly what they do and uh, maybe the equipment they use mm-hmm. or, or what makes their unit kind of unique to uh, policing. So now, is this something that they do on a regular basis? No, they no. do this. Uh, proactive recruiting comes up about once, maybe twice a year. Okay. Uh, and especially this kind of showcase, because we're going to have uh, people from our emergency response team, BC Highway Patrol, Forensic Identification Services, to oh. name a few, will all be out there showcasing their units and their equipment. Wow. And now, how many of those units are in the city as well? 
well, in the city detachment, mm-hmm. we have the forensic identification services. Yeah. Um, now they're an integrated unit, so they kind of travel throughout north the northern part of BC, um, providing services within Prince George City as well as to our outlying kind of communities. Mm -hmm. Um, We do have the emergency response team that works out of our North District building, another integrated unit, so they respond to events throughout the north. Uh, We have uh, traffic services both within city Mm -hmm. and BC Highway Patrol, which again works throughout the north. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else do we have that's going to be out there? A police dog services. That's yes. the one I was thinking of. Yeah, yes. I was just thinking, trying to go through our building, trying to <laughs> cherry pick the units that'll be out there. Who's so, on the first floor? Who's on the second floor? Police dog services. Now, again, another integrated unit that works out of the city detachment. So um, a lot of our units here are cost shared throughout North District. Uh, sorry, North District is what we call it. Northern mm. BC. Yeah. Um, to provide services to outlying communities that don't necessarily have the population base to support mm-hmm. hosting those units within their own community. Now, the question I always like to ask when I hear this phrase used, North District. Yes. What is defined as North District? What are the boundaries for About North District? S- I think 70% of the province oh. is considered North District. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. So, so south down to then 100 Mile, mile House. 100 Mile House okay. is considered part of North District. Yeah. And then all the way up to all the border. The up to the border. And then border and to border. Border to border again. Holy yeah. Cow. Queen Charlotte. Uh, Queen Charlotte's is considered part of North District. Yeah. And then all the way over to McBride, Vale Mount. That's right. Yeah. All the way over to the Alberta border. Yeah. Wow. And now you were saying in the integrated services, like the dog handler, forensic, that's their area. That is their area. Some of our larger cities also host um, those units within them. Mm. Um, And it's just basically who's available closest, that sort of thing, based on things like vacation, you know, Mm -hmm. who's on vacation, which unit has the most people, (laughs) uh, that sort of thing. So it's, it's a bit of a balancing act, but we do manage to take care of it all. So how many... Let's say dog units. How many dog units are there in North District? Is Prince George it? or? I don't know how many are in North District. No, but uh, I know we have four dog handlers here in Prince George. Right. Um, there's one in Terrace, and mm-hmm. Williams Lake will also host one to two, okay. I think. I don't quote me on that one. No. Fast. That's no, not a hard and no. fast fact. <laughs> now, are there, are there any up in the piece that you know of, like Dawson Creek, Fort St. John? I don't you haven't heard of anything from up there? No. Okay. I don't know, but that yeah. could be ignorance, not just no. n- not that they're there. The other thing is because to the dog handler RCMP in Fort is... St. John, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there is one. <laughs> the RCMP, of course, is a national force. That's right. So up in the peace, they might find it just as easy to call Grand Prairie or somebody and have them send a unit, even though it's in Alber- from Alberta. No, because that's a different division. Ah, So now we're talking, you know, now it gets down to the dollars and cents and and that sort of thing. (laughs) So um, we do, if it's national, and we've had national priorities before. Mm -hmm. Um, When you think of our our larger scale um, investigations, um, you know, when we've had that couple of boys that started out here and, you know, ended up in I think Saskatchewan or whatever. So that was sort of a national priority where uh, cost sharing was was Mm -hmm. across multiple provinces um and so then the units kind of went where they were needed but generally day-to-day operations we stick kind of within our borders if we unless there's an you know need to go outside of them yeah now 
in North District specifically, and the Prince George RCMP as well, I guess to some extent. Um, are there any units that you guys are shorthanded in? Will you be looking for people? Um, you know what? We are, and I don't think it's, you know, a hidden fact that mm-hmm. we are definitely recruiting heavily. Um, we always need people on general duty, and that's kind of where everybody starts anyways. Yeah. Um, so you start on, we call it general duty, but it's frontline policing, so answering 911 calls, yeah. driving to emergencies. You know, So we're always looking to recruit into that section. Um, I know I, our forensic identification section is looking for people, definitely. Oh. Mm-hmm. And actually, they're also starting to look for... Um, civilians to work within their unit not in a policing capacity no. so that's another uh you know avenue that we're starting to look at is you know would some of our resources be better um filled by experts in that field mm-hmm. and then leave police to do sort of more policing mm-hmm. so um you know if we think forensic identification that's kind of like the csi type yes. stuff mm-hmm. but if you want a mental picture yeah. uh so you know are there people that are you know really into uh science chemistry um do they want to do fingerprint analysis that sort of thing can we take specialists that are already in that field and use them in that capacity, but they have no interest maybe in the policing yeah. side. So, you know, that's another stream. If you if you have something, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you uh, are interested in um, commercial crime, but you don't necessarily want to be uh, invested in the policing side. We're also yeah. looking for, you know, um, specialists in those types of fields to come and join our team um, to augment what police officers already do. Okay. Got to take a quick break. When you come back, we'll talk some more with Corporal Jennifer Cooper. After nine. An Agatha Christie classic comes to life with the mouse trap at Theatre Northwest. Filled to the brim with intrigue, humor, and shocking plot twists, the mouse trap will have you guessing right to the end. A popular presentation on theatrical stages around the world since 1952, the mouse trap is on through October 4th at Theatre Northwest. It's the first not to be missed play of the season. Tickets are available Tuesday through Thursday from 11 to 5 at Studio 2880 and online at theaternorthwest.com. Are you thinking of selling your business? It's Dave Fuller here, a business coach and a business broker living right here in Prince George. The challenge of being a business owner is that much of our retirement funds are often tied up in the business. If you are getting ready to retire and sell your business, give me a call, 250-617-7467, and we can talk confidentially about how much your business might be worth and how you might be able to get that money out of the business and into your pocket. Again, Dave Fuller, 250-617-7467, or check out our website, pivotleader.com. At Pivot Leader, we help you grow, train, and sell your business. Be on hand for another unforgettable, uplifting experience as the World Religions Conference invites you to celebrate their 18th anniversary. The topic of this year's free event is the question of timeless suffering. Admission is free with an East Indian dinner included in the Trinity United Church Conference Room at 5th and Union. For registration or more information, visit worldreligionsconference.ca or call 1-877-767-1965. The 18th Annual World Religions Conference, 630 to 830 Monday, September 18th. 
At Deb's Cafe and Specialty Bakery, we ask numerous diabetics to monitor their blood sugar after enjoying our baked goods and then share the results with us. Some said blood sugar went up, but the change was so mild it was irrelevant. Several said their blood sugar was unchanged, and several others showed us their blood sugar actually went down after eating our baked treats. If you're diabetic, check us out for yourself. You'll love our baking at Deb's Cafe on 7th and Quebec, next to Pharmasave. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Jennifer, we've been talking about this RCMP Northern Career Fair coming up at the Northern Sports Centre on Saturday. What times? I don't think that was mentioned. Ah, yes. We will be there from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And it's just a straight drop-in. There's, are there any any of the groups that are offering almost like programs or anything like that during the day where they're doing like a half-hour demonstration at some point? Or is it just basically you drop by the booth and chat? Just, just drop in kind of like, uh, you know, like the home fair, yeah. the home and garden show yeah. type thing. So come in, mm-hmm. uh, wander around, talk to the different units, uh, you know, mm-hmm. bring your high school age kids yes. your college age university aged kids right mm-hmm. um you know especially high school students if they're starting to look for careers if they're not sure what they want to do bring them out maybe one of these specialties is something that actually will catch their interest and you know uh, kind of give them an idea of where they want to go after high school uh you know it's a possibility definitely especially as you were mentioning it might appeal to some of them knowing I don't have to actually go through the whole police thing. I can be sort of the behind the scenes person yes. working on one of these specialties. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I think our forensic identification section is going to have a lot of information on that, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be something that uh, high school students looking into university might be able to keep kind of in the back of their mind as a career goal after, you know, after college, mm-hmm. university, a couple of courses or, or a degree there. Yeah. Now, I know a few years ago I was reading that a lot of, uh, I think there's more in the U.S., that a lot of uh, the uh, prosecutors down there hated the TV show CSI (laughs) because they said people who are now on juries watch it and they expect to see that kind of evidence brought forward at all the trials, and it's tough. (laughs) It is not completely accurate, definitely, especially when we reflect on, like, our Canadian justice system, which Mm -hmm. operates very differently from the American justice system. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, I don't think science has really kept up with um, imagination quite yet. Mm-hmm. So, no. <laughs> um, you know, and, and things like wait times, we don't get uh, drug analyses back overnight, not verifiable ones that we can use in court yeah. anyways, you know, um, that sort of a thing. So, no, it's definitely not, no. not accurate and kind of skews people's idea of what policing is like. So that's, again, where something in this career fair would be good for the young person who has been watching these shows and is kind of taken by how exciting and everything it is. Uh, no, it's not quite that exciting. It's, it's not quite no. that exciting. Oh, it's, it's good. Not TV show exciting anyways. No, uh, I can't say there's been too many dull days in my career, <laughs> but um, I don't think it's been quite the uh, CSI, the CSI or, type yeah. idea. Yeah. Or going back. A few well, I think it's been redone a couple of times. The FBI TV shows, yes, Same all thing. of those ones. Yes. You know, they take our imagination uh, to to new ideas and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But um, no, most of the career is is a little bit more down to earth, but still uh, still fast paced. 
yeah. career. So, you know, if you have, if you like a fast paced environment, yeah. uh, a lot of our specialties are definitely, um, kind of, uh, especially frontline policing is very fast paced mm-hmm. and, and really, um, you know, one thing after another. So that's, yeah. you know, keeps you moving throughout the day. That's for sure. Yes. And then I've got a couple of relatives who have been in police work and they said the thing they hate the most though is you usually have to end your shift early because of all the paperwork you have to fill out for all the stuff you did during the shift. Yes. Well, you know, we're fortunate now that we have uh, mobile computers that come with us uh-huh. in the police cars. Okay. So some of our com- our paperwork can be started and completed in the police car. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of writing that yes. is part of being a police officer, though. <laughs> I can't avoid that. No. Now, are there any... Are you- are there any needs for shorthand experts in the police departments at this point? <laughs> no, no. Unfortunately, I I have notes where I've gone too far shorthand and I can't remember what I wrote anymore. So, <laughs> first the go, first left off. Yeah, I okay. took out too many letters. I'm not yeah. sure what that word was supposed to be. Yes. Yeah, I hope I don't have to go into court on this one. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So, when people come up there, then there's no. Is there going to be any sort of a set path that people should be following when they come up to the Northern Career Fair on Saturday? Or is it just you come in, oh, that looks interesting, boom, you can go there? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. If you are, you know, if you have an idea in mind of what unit you want to, you know, right. chat with, um, then by all means come up, explore that unit. But I would encourage everybody to kind oh. of wander around, see what uh, everybody has out to show and demonstrate, mm-hmm. um, if nothing else, to satisfy some curiosity. Policing isn't a career that a lot of people know about. No. Uh, even if you have a police officer in the family or a, or your neighbor is a police officer, you might not know much about policing. So no. uh, it's not something that the average citizen comes into contact with frequently in their lifetime um so come on up and just satisfy some curiosity get to know some police officers well this is a number that sort of blew me away when i saw the release uh you sent out what was it last week yes 150 different careers 150 different career opportunities that's right because we're a federal police force we patrol a variety of different environments Mm -hmm. so we have marine operations on both coasts we have our federal units that uh, are primarily in uh, the toronto ottawa area you know we have um, like we've already said police dog services our emergency response team financial crime major crime Mm -hmm. media relations That's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> it's been my favorite unit so far, but I could be biased. Ah, uh, just a little bit. <laughs> Corporal Jennifer Cooper, Prince George RCMP, the Northern Career Fair, when, where, how do people get to it? Saturday, September 16th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Charles Jago Northern Sports Center up at UNBC. Go in the front doors and they'll have someone there to guide you to where they are hosting us. Just look for the people in uniform. That's right. Follow the yellow stripe. (laughs) Okay. Jennifer, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Okay. Take another quick break and be back with more after nine. Learn how to create an online course with Studio 2880 Arts North. Whether you're creating video tutorials for training or designing an online course to sell, this four-session workshop will get your ideas off the ground as you work in small groups with hands-on instruction. Full details and registration are available through Arts North link at studio2880.com. The online course creation workshop from Arts North for consecutive Tuesday evenings from 6 to 8, starting September 19th at Studio 20. How would you interpret famous paintings such as the Mona Lisa or the Scream? 
If you're between the ages of 10 and 18, the downtown branch of the public library is giving you a chance to find out. Today is the next session of Famous Paintings, when the library gives young people the opportunity to interpret the old masters in a new way at a free drop-in event. Famous Paintings, today at the downtown branch of the public library from 3.30 to 4.15. Theatre Northwest has long been committed to being an accessible venue and have now completed an improvement for patrons who are hard of hearing. Their new hearing loop is a major upgrade from the old FM hearing assist system and enables those with hearing issues to enjoy the Theatre Northwest programming with audio clarity and comfort. Full details on the new hearing loop system are available on their website, theaternorthwest.com. While there, pick up a season's pass or tickets for Mousetrap on from September 14th to October 4th. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today with a 40% chance of showers and local smoke, a high of 18. Tonight, mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of showers this evening, then clearing, local smoke and a low of 7. Sunny on Wednesday with local smoke and a high of 19. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Marnie Hamagami, the artistic producer from Theatre Northwest. Marnie, a brand new season and an old show, really, to get things started. Yeah, we're really excited to have Mousetrap here at Theatre Northwest this year. It, it is an old show, you're right. I think it first went up in uh, in something like 1952. Yeah, I was looking at it online today. It ran in London from 1952 until 2020, and it only stopped because of COVID. Yeah, that's right. It is the longest-running theatrical performance, continuously-running theatrical performance in uh, in history. Yeah. Now, as far as you know, I'm assuming you probably did some checking on this, is this the first time Theatre Northwest has presented The Mousetrap? As far as I know, this is the first time we've done it. Okay. Why? Why did you suddenly decide this year, we're going to do The Mousetrap? Well, I think, you know, part of, uh, part of uh, running a theatre is trying to offer the audiences a wide variety and, and array of, of works that appeal mm-hmm. to them. And uh, and it was just Mousetrap's time. <laughs> and now this is also, as I was saying, new season, old play, but it's also a chance for you guys to test out your new um, hearing accessible system. Yeah, this is something we're really excited about, and I should say it wouldn't be possible, wouldn't have been possible without the funding from uh, the Community Foundation, the Prince George Community Foundation. We were able to uh, access some grant money through them and buy and install what's called a hearing loop. This is... um, this is sort of like the the Cadillac or the Maserati, if you will, of the <laughs> of the hearing um, amplification world. Uh, it's been in use in the UK for for many years, but this is the first one we know of in sort of like northern BC. Wow! Um, and uh, what it is 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 it's it, it's designed to interface directly with hearing hearing aids or cochlear implants. So. The audiologist in your life can turn this feature on, and once it's on, when you arrive at our venue, you then further switch it on, and uh, it amplifies the the sound in in our venue. Now, I guess the kind of the nice thing for other people, though, is it only amplifies it for the people with the hearing aids or the implants, correct? The the person sitting next to them who doesn't have the implant, it's regular volume. That is correct. Um, so, so it doesn't affect the the um, 
ability of anybody else to enjoy the performance. However, if you do have uh, maybe maybe some hearing deficiencies and have not yet been fitted for a hearing aid, we do have a device that you can wear uh, similar to, uh, you know, a Walkman-style device mm-hmm. that you wear on your ears, and it will amplify for you. Okay. And so now the mousetrap. Now, I've heard a little bit about it. I've never seen the play, so I cannot spoil the ending, <laughs> which is something. Now, are you guys going to be following the um, tradition, if you will, that the British Theatre set, where in the program they ask people not to reveal the ending? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we do ask people not to reveal the ending, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it's actually, I was asked by by a colleague, by a by somebody else in in the community to broadcast what the ending was yesterday, and I, uh, no. I had to I had to decline that yes Thank <laughs> that you. opportunity. Yes. But yeah, no, it's it's important to to keep it a secret so that everybody can enjoy the the whodunit aspect. And that's the thing is this I think is recognized as one of well again it ran in London for like almost seventy years. It's a classic. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. A canon. It's a classic. I mean, most people have heard of Agatha Christie usually, mm-hmm. and uh, she's you know she is the Empress of Mystery. She's yes. uh, she wrote many many books and is of course responsible for for Miss Marple and and uh, Hercule Poirot. Yes. So she really knows how to how to keep you guessing. And this though is not a mystery. The Most Trap isn't a play because that's what it was written as. It's not a play that involves one of her well-known detectives. It's just that, yeah, very, yeah, yeah. That's correct. They are they are not present in in this yeah. in this work. And it's actually it's a relatively small cast too, isn't it? Uh, it's it's eight. So for us, that's quite large. We well, yeah. You, yeah, we typically yeah. have uh, you know at most four or five. Yeah. So this is this is a lot for us. But it's, like you say, it's, it's a classic. It's well-known, and we hope Prince George will come out and enjoy it. So now, who is directing the play? Oh, that's actually really exciting for us. It's a, it's a woman named Jonna Wright. She has just recently um, uh, written a play called Gaslight, which is, of mm. course, based on the movie, which was, of course, based on the play. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's playing across Canada in a few different venues. Most recently, I think it was uh, in Calgary at Vertigo Theatre. Mm-hmm. Uh, funnily enough, it was directed by Jack Grindhouse, who, of course, I recognize that name. Here. I recognize that <laughs> yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, so we're really excited to have Jonna here. She's yeah. doing a great job. It's um, it's really exciting for us. Now, is the cast all locals then? Because I know a lot of times, even when you've got the small cast, sometimes there is somebody comes in from out of town. Yeah, I mean, historically, most of our artists have come from out of town mm-hmm. at Theatre Northwest, but over the last couple of years particularly, we've really tried to focus in on on local performers and making sure that they are are present with us here at the, organ- at, at the theatre. Um, and this time, we're really lucky. We have three locals. We have oh. Dave Leach, mm-hmm. who uh, Dave and his spouse, Bonnie, run Excalibur Dance Studios. Yeah. And uh, then there's Anna Russell, who is, of course, one of our artistic mm-hmm. associates mm-hmm. here at Theatre Northwest. And uh, the final one is Shelby Meany, who, oh. this is her 
second time performing with us at Theatre Northwest. She was in the Wonderettes about Mm -hmm. two years ago, and this is her first dramatic role with us uh, before she was... She was in a musical. That's what I would say was all three of the people you mentioned are to some extent connected with musicals more than, shall we say, traditional theater. Uh, I mean, certainly the case for for Dave and, and Shelby. Yeah. Uh, Anna has been up on our stages mm. on non-musical okay, yeah. a few times. Yeah. Now, we can't give away the ending, but we do have to warn people about a couple of things about The Mousetrap, don't we? Uh, like the fact that it was written in the 1950s and it's still the original language, which can cause a few problems. Well, I mean, we we have we do have a slightly adapted script okay. that came from the from the rights holders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so there is that. But yeah, that is something we do preface the work by saying this was this was a piece that was written in the 1950s and it reflects those times and values. And some of the language can occasionally be. Um, maybe a bit dated, maybe a bit old-fashioned in its sort of maybe placement of women in society yeah. and and uh, things like that. So now, did that, when you were looking for plays for this year and you saw The Mousetrap, when you were reading the script, were you seeing things like that? And was there any, did that cause you to hesitate at all about bringing it in? Or did you just say, no, we'll just let people know this is going to be in there and they can deal with it? Uh, you know, I think that people are complicated and intelligent beings, and mm. they are capable of holding two thoughts simultaneously in their brains at one time. So God, I think we can all recognize <laughs> we can all recognize as you know as as times change and sensibilities change that um, historical works uh, they're historical works, yeah. and they are understood and situated in the time that they were written and that is not an attempt to excuse or dismiss any of the stereotypes that they are taking for granted but it does um sort of place them in in space and time now one thing we should mention because this was something as christie was known for and it was stereotypes but it was her stereotypes of americans at those times (laughs) <laughs> and it, it wasn't like you know they they weren't being looked down or anything, but a lot of them tended to be like Texas ranchers for some reason, and they spoke she, that way. Yeah, I mean, I am by no means a an Agatha Christie expert or scholar, no. but uh, she did seem to have a particular view of Americans that <laughs> was maybe a little one note. Yes. Okay, Marnie, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, talk a little bit more about the mousetrap, but also about the rest of the Theatre Northwest season. That'd be great. At 11.45 p.m. on Tuesday, August 1st, the Prince George RCMP was called to the 1800 block of 1st Avenue where a pedestrian crossing the road was struck by an oncoming vehicle. Police are looking for anyone who may have witnessed the incident or anyone with dash cam footage which may have captured the event. If you have any information that will assist in this investigation or any criminal offense, please contact the Prince George RCMP at 250-561-3300. Snacks and cinema are on the schedule Wednesday afternoons at both branches of the Prince George Public Library. Between 3 and 5.30, family movies that are fun for all ages will be screened at each branch, and they provide the snacks, too. All children must be accompanied by an adult. To find out what movies are on the schedule, go to pgpl.ca events. 
Family Movies, suitable for all ages, every Wednesday from 3 to 5.30 at both branches of the Prince George Public Library. Dates have been set for the 2024 Exhibition Park Markets at the Outdoor Ag Arena, formerly the Rodeo Grounds. The markets will run May 5th and 26th, June 9th and 23rd, and July 7th and 21st with the 2024 Harvest Festival set for September 8th. It's a great place for Prince George people to be a vendor for summer produce and other goods. To apply for the BCNE Exhibition Park Market at the Outdoor Ag Arena, email pgbcne at gmail.com. The Alzheimer's Society of B.C. has social programs for people living with early-stage dementia and caregivers. Coffee and Chat is designed to help you meet new people, engage in social activities, and have fun. Full details are available online at alzbc.org slash coffee-chat. Coffee and Chat, every second Thursday from 11 to noon. Register for an online session by calling the First Link Dementia Helpline at 1-800-936-6033. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. So, Marnie, getting back to the mousetrap for a second, we were talking about the director and the cast. Now, it's it's set in a snowed-in hotel. So what is it like for sets? Is there basically just the one set? Uh, there is the one set. It is uh, the inside of, of sort of, I guess, a sitting room, you might call it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite spectacular. The oh. the the wallpaper alone is, is <laughs> maybe worth the price of admission. <laughs> it's something else. So, again, that's that must have been kind of nice for your uh, set design people as well. Again, you were saying Theatre Northwest usually focuses on plays that have maybe four, five characters on stage. And again, a lot of your plays, one or two sets, and that's about it. Yeah, um, I mean, part of that is is a is a function of space. Yes. Um, we Cedar Northwest is not a building that has what's called a fly tower, so sets cannot be lifted up and dropped down um, in this facility. Uh, and and you know, we have very little back or side stage, so you you can't actually push sets on or off the stage. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's a function of space, um, definitely part of it. Yeah. Now, The Mousetrap, as we were talking about earlier, originally written in the 1950s, so a very old play as the first production. But you guys are almost like going back to the past all season, aren't you, with the main stage especially? Uh, yeah, the main stage is definitely a bit of a blast from the past. We've got uh, our Christmas show this year is Miracle on 34th Street, mm. the radio play musical, ah. uh, which is, of course, a story that many people are familiar with. Yes. Uh, there's the black and white movie that often plays at Christmas. Yes. And it's uh, this is a so this is a radio play version. So what you're going to see on stage is is a radio station and people pretending to give a radio play performance. And the most important person in there is the guy doing the sound effects. Yeah, there's a Foley artist. And you know who we have this year that I'm so excited about? It's actually Curtis Abriol. So oh, a local yes. a local artist and musician will be will be doing that for us. Wow. Okay. Because that's always interesting. Okay, so that's the Christmas production. And then after that, you've got, I guess, sort of the newest of the old productions. Yeah, it's uh, Sexy Laundry, uh, which is a play that has been done before here at Theatre Northwest. In fact, I've had a few people say, have we seen this? And and the answer is yes, it's definitely been around. Uh, It is the 25th anniversary of um, Sexy Laundry, Mm -hmm. and it is about a couple who are having their 25th anniversary. 
and they are their children have moved away from home they're um, empty nesters and they're looking to sort of reconnect in a very particular way and we've got uh, actually um, Jules Mackey and uh, Dirk Van Strahlen from Wells who are also a married couple who are also having their 25th anniversary oh. this year um, they're playing they're playing the couple on stage and I just Yesterday, got an email from Jules saying, you know, congratulations on Mousetrap. Did you know that Dirk and I met on the set of Mousetrap 30 years oh, ago? Oh, Lord. Yeah, so there you go. It all ties together, doesn't it? It does in such funny ways. If this, if this happened in a play, though, would you be getting people writing the next day saying, oh, that's totally unbelievable. There's no way something like that could happen in real life. <laughs> right, exactly. And in fact, I did ask Jules, I, I asked her if she had a photo from that from the Mousetrap production of the two of them that she'd be willing to share. And she said she did have a photo, but she wouldn't share it because it was a, it was a Dirk choking her. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we know which roles. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. So, uh, so we got sexy laundry, and then we wrap it up. We start with yeah. a mystery, and then we end yeah. with a mystery. And we end with a mystery. The last one is Hounds of the Baskerville. Oh, another and, classic. Yeah, it is a classic. Now, this is not sort of a straight reproduction of the of the Conan Doyle novel. Right. This is a farce. So oh. it is. Um, it'll be. It'll be hilarious. It's mm-hmm. similar to anybody who saw Dracula five or six years ago that we did right. here. That yeah. it's a similar idea, and uh, we're really excited to have um, N- Natasha Girgis on stage with us. Now, Natasha most recently was with us. She played Doctor Ruth in our production oh, of Becoming Doctor Ruth. I recognize the name. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Natasha is just, for us, she is just such a dream to work with. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, she is an artist at the top of her craft. She is so talented and and just wonderful to work with. So we're really looking forward to having her as part of the cast. There are two additional cast members who actually have not been cast yet. Oh. Is one of them the Hound? (laughs) I don't think so. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's the question some people might have. Okay, it's the Hound of the Baskervilles. Is there going to be a hound on stage? Uh, I mean, that is the question for the director. So <sighs> we'll see. I mean, highly unlikely unlikely yeah. there will be a real hound. But, oh. you know, we'll see how he works it out. That takes all the fun out of things, you know. Yeah. Although, of course, I, I remember reading, because I think I read all the Sherlock Holmes stories multiple times. Mm-hmm. And the hound only really shows up a couple of times in the uh, in the story. Yeah, it's it, a little bit like Jaws, isn't it? Yeah. It's the dread rather than the actual... Yes. But yeah. when it does show up, it's, uh, yeah, it's effective. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So that's the wrap-up. And, of course, you've got throughout the season, you've got some more stage readings going on and stuff like that? Yeah, we have our stage reading series that we're continuing to host here at Theatre Northwest. Uh, we're really looking forward to that. There are seven offerings this wow. year, and we do have a season ticket. So if, you, if you're if you looking for a bit of a deal and want to come out, they're, they're definitely available. Well, that leads very nicely into, for stuff like The Mousetrap or any of the other main stage productions as well, how can people get tickets, Marnie? Uh, well, there's a couple of ways you can get tickets. You can get tickets at our on our website at cedarnorthwest.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have box office hours here at 
right at the venue on Mondays. And then we have tickets at Studio 2880. Ah, okay. So in conjunction with them as well. And now, I don't think we've mentioned this yet. When does the Mouse Trap run? Uh, we are so we open on this Friday on uh, September fifteenth and yeah. run through till October fourth. Okay, now that's that's sort of the normal run, isn't it? About three weeks. Yeah, that's pretty standard for us. Yeah, and then um, I'm guessing you're not going to go right into Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street because that's a Christmas place. So I'm guessing you're going to leave it for a while before you take that one to the stage. Yeah, we have, um, well, we start build right away, but yes. then we we have uh, our our opening night of Miracle is, I think it's Friday the 24th of November, or maybe the 23rd. Yeah, so about a month and a half after uh, Most Trap wraps up. That's right. Okay, but in between, you will probably have a couple of stage readings and stuff like that. Yeah, we have a scotch tasting and a stage reading Ooh. and uh, a lot of rehearsals for Miracle. <laughs> okay. I think most people listening at this point were probably going scotch tasting. I'm going to go to their website and find out about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have uh, we do have a scotch tasting. Um, this we do these are fundraisers we've done regularly yeah. for years now. They're they're quite fun. You get to try a variety of different uh, scotches, and this one is actually sponsored by Wilson Wilson M Beck. Um, insurance services, so Indeed. we're really happy to have them on board. Sounds great. Marnie Hamagami, Artistic Director of Theatre Northwest, thanks for bringing us up to date on The Mousetrap, and I'm sure we'll be chatting again with you or somebody else from there as we go along. Thank you. Okay. That'll do it for today's show. Kylie and Darren in tomorrow, After 9. After 9 is a weekday presentation of CFIS-FM.